Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And you're checking out the program on September 14th, 2020. And as always, I have my partner in crime to my left, Neil Kulong. What's up, Neil? That's a good word, Lance. Today's a good day. Today's a good day. The Steelers are 1-0. We are at hump day. It is time to put the bizarre win, but the win nonetheless, over the Bengals to rest. We, as Belichick would say, are on to New England. Yes, and we are on to New England, and we have a special guest coming on to break down that game for us from Patriots Wire. I want to thank uh, Patriots Wire for coming on. Um, make sure you guys stick around for that. As always, if you want to join the experience on YouTube, go to YouTube, do a search for the new standard in Lance Williams or Neil Kulong. In terms of the podcast way, you can go to any of your podcast feed or do a search for the new standard in Lance Williams, Steelers, or Neil Kulong, some combination of those, and you will pick up the podcast. Please subscribe to the pod. Please like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And Neil, before we hop into um, our interview and a breakdown of the game coming up this week against the New England Patriots, the home opener, I want to just start it off by saying, what's up? W-A-T-T apostrophe S. What's up? What's going on with T.J. Watt? The injury, the I think the peck is torn. Maybe it's not six, seven, eight different opinions. What's going on, first of all, with the status of the injury? Um, I don't know if anything's been clarified. Um, and more so, what's the impact of the loss of T.J. Watt? Because presumably, whether he's going to be out for the year, he's going to be out for the next several weeks for sure. Um, and so what's the injury update and, and what's your thought in terms of the status, um, in terms of the impact of the loss of TJ Watt over the next several weeks? Well, the, the brass tax is TJ Watt is going to miss. They are suspecting, uh, about six weeks. I would think that means they're going to put him on injured reserve and call somebody up, uh, whoever that might be. They might go a, diff a bunch of different directions with that. It's kind of hard to tell where they are um, as far as their practice squad, guys that are signed. They just signed Ryan Anderson, formerly of the Washington Commies, Commanders, uh, <coughs> excuse me, yesterday, um, <clears throat> to their practice squad. He can be elevated. Maybe that's what they have in mind. Uh, we'll find out. But they don't transactionally need to make the move on Watt uh, right away, and they, I assume that they won't. They'll, they'll let, uh, as Mike would say, practice participation be their guide. They'll see what they're going to do. But uh, considering – Players uh, who make the 53-man roster who are put on injured reserve after that can come back after four weeks instead of six. Um, they're going to uh, presumably keep him on for at least four weeks. They say it's a six-week injury. Does he come back from that right away? I don't know. We'll find out. But um, the interesting part of this, what's important to know, is uh, that the injury itself, you can tear the, the, you can tear a muscle and the, the severity of it kind of depends on where it is. In the case of a pec injury, which Lance, you, you heard me say this on Sunday after the game, um, the bad one is when the tendon itself pulls away from the bone. That requires surgery, and it's something the recovery of that surgery is what takes a while. 
uh, for a player to come back. There, there's range of motion issues, obviously strength issues, um, pain tolerance and swelling that would limit a player uh, quite a bit. In this case, the Steelers are very fortunate, as is T.J. Watt. He did not tear the tendon off the bone. It's just severe enough that um, those uh, lack of, of strength and, and uh, limited range of motion issues are not going to be as severe as long term. It is going to take him a little bit uh, to be able to come back, though. So uh, it sounds like he's going to miss, by the team's estimation, about six games. Um, not a good thing for the Steelers. Plain and simple, not a good thing. We, we saw great things out of defensive AFC Defensive Player of the Week, Minka Fitzpatrick, the first time he's won that award. Uh, we saw great things out of Cam Hayward, which we usually do. We saw great things out of Alex Highsmith. Might have been his best game as a pro on Sunday. T.J. Watt did not receive the kind of accolades that his performance earned because he usually plays like that. And losing a player like that, you, you don't replace it. It's impossible to replace uh, the impact that T.J. Watt brings on a play-to-play, game-to-game basis. They are going to take a step backwards because of that. There's no way around it. Um, <clears throat> we can talk as much as we like about Jameer Jones, um, about Malik Reed, a, a proven veteran in the league. They're not T.J. Watt. Put them together, they're not T.J. Watt. So it, it, there, there's a loss coming. Uh, we, we'll see what they do schematically to avoid it. I don't think there's a whole lot they can do. Um, we're going to see those guys probably rotate a bit, um, get as much action in as they can, try to get as much as you can out of the other stars that are on the defense. But uh, he's a TJ Watts, a defensive player of the year, and he played like it in, in week one for the, he didn't even play the full game. Um, and he had a, a player, of the player of the week uh, caliber performance. So it, it's something they're going to have to figure out how to get around. Um, I, I don't think they can just do it. They're going to have to find a, a different way to create the type of results uh, that we saw on Sunday. Well, now when you say create a different way, that that's what I wanted to tap into to next in terms of this injury. And I think one thing that's not being mentioned um, is even if he does come back, you know, you're talking about a peck and you're talking about a pass rusher. He's not going to be right for the rest of the year. You're not going to get premium level TJ Watt now. I don't know what 85% of TJ looks like or 80%, but you're not going to probably get the TJ Watt that you got in the first game. That's going to be a lingering injury. It's going to be something that he deals with uh, for the rest of the year. And I'm not a doctor, but I know that um, they have to be concerned of whether, you know, possibly he could completely tear it. I mean, he's just playing with an injury. Guys play banged up all the time. And you don't, we don't necessarily know the severity of everybody's injury and what they're dealing with on a game-to-game basis. But it can't be good that your defensive player is playing with a pet issue, um, you know, for 12, 10, 12 games. So it seems like whatever they get from TJ, um, it's going to be a bonus this year. And we saw in the first game uh, they need to play at an optimum level on a defensive end uh, to be competitive in games. When you were talking about what they might do differently, is it a scheme change? Is it substitution changes? Is it a philosophical change in terms of how they try to get pressure? Um, you know, what do you think it looks like? Does it look that much differently um, schematically or approach wise um, in trying to deal with this uh, TJ Watt injury? I, to, to speak of it schematically, I think it's a little bit too tough for, for where we're sitting right now. I think you're going to get a lot of people that, that want to, um, overdo the situation 
you you can't change your defense in going into week two. It's just it, it's way too late to do that. Um, it, I don't know how much it really matters because that's what their defense is is predicated upon. Your outside linebackers do a certain thing. Um, I'm not saying that that is static, as in it, it's set in stone. They will only do this, but what do you, you're not going to not play with another outside linebacker. I mean, it, it's you, you got to get guys in there to do um, it, at least the functions of what Watt does in those positions. So, um, you're, I would think maybe they're going to rotate. Uh, we saw. Reed and Jones rotate a bit at that spot. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more of that, um, whether it's acclimating both. Let's keep in mind, too, I think this is what's really interesting, and I wanted to say this earlier. Um, we're looking at two replacement players for the Steelers who n- neither of them were in camp with the team, and they were added after cuts, right? Reed was added before cuts came, but he was acquired via trade, and um, Jones replaced Derek Tuska who made the team and they cut him so the you know, and and Jones yes he was in camp with the team last season but you, you've got to worry about that from um, just a, a, a development perspective these are two players that were not with you in camp they were not practicing how much of the defense can they run right now so I, I would say more than anything what to look at is going to be the rotation how much each of them are playing um, you're you're going to use Highsmith in, in the spot that he's in for obvious reasons uh, whether Anderson gets worked into this or not, I, I don't know. Uh, certainly not right away. They're going to have to do different things with each of them uh, based on who can do what. And that's a matter of coaching. That's a matter of, of um, awareness, you know, as far as understanding and knowing their roster. Uh, schematically, though, I don't think that's going – I don't think we're going to see much difference. I, I bet if I was to make a guess, I guess I should say not bet, but – we'll we'll see each of them in it, there'll be a pattern to the downs that they're playing the situations that they're playing in those are the ones that uh right away in in this week uh they're going to be prepared for but keep in mind it, it's important now lance because as you know it, it, after week two you've got a quick turn time you're playing at cleveland in week three on thursday night so uh, this is two games in five days for two players that don't know your team particularly well. They're they're in a crash course right now. There's a lot that they're going to have to pick up on. I don't know how much we can expect from each of them, but whatever development and, and improvement they can make just from uh, an internal perspective is going to be much needed for the Steelers. I think not as equally important, and you made a great point because I was going to ask about who do you think is going to be the starter, but I don't know if it matters in this case. It's a, you know, one plus one does not equal two in this case. It doesn't matter who's starting, who's the backup. The issue is you don't have T.J. Watt on the field, and you're not going to get to anywhere near the same level of production. So you can put anyone out there in terms of the starter. It's just going to be a collection of guys. Can you get anywhere close to the production? T.J. takes a lot of air out the room. But there was another significant injury um, in the game as well. There was the injury to Najee Harris. Uh, What's your thoughts on that injury? What's the status of the injury? Um, is he slated to play this weekend? Uh, he is. He's good to go. He said he's good to go. Um, the, the initial reports we heard from the team is, uh, were backed up by Mike Tomlin yesterday when he spoke to the media. Uh, it, it's not significant. It's going to be a bump and bruise type of injury uh, that you get throughout the season. Uh, the fact that it was on the list Frank sprained area that uh, Harris uh, apparently had throughout training camp was an initial concern. And I think that was Harris's reaction on the field. He made it look like it, it could have been something significant, and they, they didn't put him back in there. 
um, not a good thing. I think they definitely wanted to, to check him out, but he says he's good to go. Uh, we'll see. I mean, really more of the question is, are, are they able uh, to, to put Harris in a position where he's not dodging defenders two yards behind the line of scrimmage like he was pretty much literally the entire game? I mean, it, it, that's that's one of the worst rushing performances we've seen from the Steelers. And to highlight the, the comment that just went away, um, it <clears> – <throat> I don't feel, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get all kinds of heat for this, but I, I don't feel that Najee Harris ran particularly well in this game. Yes, there are people he has to avoid probably a lot earlier than he would like to, but the reality is if, if all you need to do is clear a gigantic hole in the middle of the field, it, it wouldn't be that hard to be a running back in the NFL. You have to make guys miss. You have to go to the right spots, and you have to be efficient with your movement. I did not feel Najee Harris was great in that regard against Cincinnati. I think he left yards on the field. A lot of the same stuff that we saw from him from, uh, last year. It, it's film work. It, it's, you know, he, he's smart. He works hard. He'll get there. But I, I feel like his margin of error is so much lower than probably his, his peers around the league are just because he's not getting a, a great opportunities to make plays. He's got to maximize what he gets on each play. And a lot of times he, he just – he didn't find a spot he could have cut to. He wasn't able to roll forward because he didn't go to the right place. That's part of being a running back. It's not just being fast and running through a wide open hole. It, it doesn't you know, take more than a track star to do that. A runner is instinctive. They have vision, which is what was pointed out in the comment. Um, I don't feel Najee Harris's vision um, was particularly outstanding in this game. I think he left stuff on the field, and I think they're going to go over that with him, and you, you hope that it can improve. Um, with the foot injury as well, maybe that limits his speed a little bit, but it doesn't limit his eyesight. So he's, especially against what's typically a very good uh, defensive team out of the Patriots, he's going to have to be sharper than he was for, for the offense to pick up. He's got a role in all this as well. You know, when you were saying that and you said track, you know, I was thinking, I don't know who does the song, but I was thinking of the song, she's a runner, she's a track star. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that song. When you said that, but let I me ask one. Dree Archer, I think that's where it came from. Somebody posted a clip of Dree Archer that did exactly that in, in college out of a pistol. He took a handoff through a, a fairly open lane and the dude just took off because he went straight. He didn't have to make anybody miss. <laughs> Dree Archer, for just for comparison's sake, since this came up, Dree Archer had probably the worst vision of, of an NFL running back I've ever seen. He was, he blind. had, he, he couldn't see anything. And on top of that, it, 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 well, how about this? If he saw anything, it was the the defending players. And if they came toward him, he fell down or he ran horizontally. He was the least efficient runner in Steelers history. And there's a reason he was out of the league uh, it, almost as quickly as he came into it. He has zero offensive utility because he, he was just – I don't want to go as far as to say he was afraid of getting hit. I mean, he's half the size of some of those guys. You take hits like that, you're going to fumble. You don't want to do that. But at the same time, he didn't compete. I mean, it just – he was – Fortunately for the Steelers, whether or not um, whether or not Najee Harris is on the field, Dre Archer is not going to be on the field. So that in itself, sometimes that you just gotta you just gotta hope for gratitude, Lance. That's it. And before we bring Jordy into the show to break down this Patriot game, I want to ask you really quickly since we're talking about Najee, can you get can you start seeing ghosts? You know, there's a, there, there there we talk about at the running back position. Uh, excuse me, at the quarterback position where, you know, the, the the not the David Carr stuff, where you get hit so much, you just start seeing ghosts. Or, you know, we talk about when, um, 
you know, in the Jets game. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the USC quarterback when he famously said on the sidelines Darn. going up against the Patriots, Sam Darnold, I'm Darn. seeing ghosts. I'm seeing shadows out here. Can you get to a point where running with an inconsistent offensive line where you're getting hit very soon after the handoff, after the mesh point starts to affect how you play, your vision, what you're seeing? Can you subconsciously start running a different way in anticipation of getting hit instead of actually running more naturally and just running through the flow of the play and being instinctive. Yeah. I, I, I give you most of, of Najee Harris's career so far, there was a play, they got him outside and he had room. There wasn't anybody there and he stutter stepped. Um, I, I unfortunately don't have him in front of me, but I'll show you that that's the exact play I was talking about when he left yards on the field. I'm not saying he could have broken it 60 yards. I'm saying that he had five, six, seven yards off the edge. And because he stopped and he hesitated because he probably just so used to having to do that, um, he, he slowed down and they caught up to him. And I think he only gained three or something like that. The, the difference between a great running back and an average one, um, on one hand, is the ability to break something 50 yards. Okay. Najee Harris was not great in that regard anyway. I don't know how often that's going to happen. I'm not saying it's a necessity, but if you're not able to do that, you've got to be the guy that, that can make five out of two. You only get two yards of space. You're smart and sharp yeah. enough to be able to, to get ahead to get five yards. Plays like that, take it away from you. When I say efficiency of motion, that's what I mean. You've got to be moving forward. Your body has to be in rhythm. And if you're stopping to juke what isn't there, you're doing the opposite of that. You're giving up yards. You're leaving yards on the field. And Harris has a lot of those carries. He's not as nearly as good as fans think that he is. I'm not saying that he's bad. There are a lot of runners that that will do that. But he's got to get confident in going forward and not having to make guys miss all the time. That's on him. Certainly it's on the offensive line. But the running back has a responsibility for that. You can't say, well, they never block for me. That's why I just left five yards on the field. <clears throat> that kind of stuff. <coughs> excuse me that kind of stuff ends drives it forces punts and ultimately it takes points off the board that's a great point you made let's bring in jordy welcome <clears throat> to the show jordy how are you this morning man there's a hint of fall in the air and and taco bell has mexican pizza back on the menu i'm doing great <laughs> man how are you guys doing <laughs> well I we're think... going to taco bell in half an hour i know that man for I breakfast thought... man you can Good I think all, I'll, take, I'll take whatever they're giving me. <laughs> all three of us are Taco Bell fans. I, I'm a fan of the double decker taco. Unfortunately, they do not have it anymore. We'll do um, this again. I'll rant for 20 minutes on how pissed off I am about that. <laughs> I want my double decker tacos back. I try to make them myself. I can't. Ooh. It just doesn't work. It's not the same. I don't know. Why do they get rid of them? Why? Because of the stupid gordita? No, nobody wants that. <laughs> well, let, 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 let's dive back into this game. Welcome to the show, Jordy. Thank you for hopping on. I want to jump into, I'll get it started off. I want to jump into looking at the Steelers, um, or, or excuse me, the Patriots offense against the Steelers defense. You know, I, I look at this Patriots offense uh, I looked at some of the games last year. I looked at the first game particularly. I think the one thing that jumps out when you look at the Patriots is, you know, they look like straight up and down, no special effects. It looks like there's nothing dynamic, uh, nothing that really strikes fear into you from the perspective of 
a defense or a defensive coordinator or an approach. Uh, in terms of generating explosive plays and just in general, um, what do you think the overall approach would be for the Steelers or should be for the Steelers when they look at this team? Is it a as simple as we're going to put an extra guy in the box, we're going to play a lot of cover two, cover four, make you earn it on the ground, see what we do? What do you think the overall approach will be uh, from the Steelers going up against this Patriot offense? I mean – if I'm the Steelers, obviously I'm wanting to put a lot of significant pressure on Mac Jones. Like I'm looking to get after him and I'm looking to make him make tough throws, you know, tight window throws. Um, There's a lot of instances against that Dolphins team where he was sort of forcing some throws and he had guys come op- open underneath. Uh, Patriots, like you just said, there's no dynamic playmaker. The only dynamic playmaker that they have is Kendrick Bourne and he's in Matt Patricia's doghouse uh, uh, reportedly. So you know, I'm, I'm looking to make Mac Jones kind of force some passes. I look at that Cincinnati Bengals game and the Steelers, they're causing all sorts of havoc with turnovers galore in that game. And then the Patriots against the Dolphins, they turned the ball over three times. I saw the, you know, the, the, the little right down here that says, can the Steelers beat the Patriot way? Well, I think the Patriot way went with Tom Brady to Tampa Bay. And the Patriots are just, they're turning the ball over. It's just not looking good right now. So, yeah, pressure on Mac Jones. Hope you can make turnovers, make a mess of a game. It should be mostly a defensive contest. Where is Mac Jones in all of this? What, what's the latest uh, status of him? And if he is unable to go, what do you think about Brian Hoyer's chances? So Mac Jones right now, he's dealing with back spasms. And as far as I'm, as far as I know, he's, he's going to try to play. So it, it could be a game time decision type of thing. Uh, Brian Hoyer has been around for a long time. He has a lot of experience in the offense. And he's honestly, you know, maybe he should be the offensive coordinator because he's been in Max ear a lot. So, you know, the Patriots are definitely covered there with a backup. I don't see this game being real high scoring anyway. It's going to be mostly a defensive game. It's going to come down to a lot of turnovers. So, yeah, I can see Brian Hoyer coming in and, and holding his own. Looking at this Patriot offense, it's just it just it's really weird because I get the sense that they want to run the football, that that's what they want to hang their hat on. But we've seen inconsistent line play as well as pass protection. I mean, when we talk about the Patriot way and you talk about the Patriot way leaving with Tom Brady, did it also leave with Dante Scarnectia? Is the loss of Dante Scarnectia really what's affecting uh, this offense and the approach and the different things that they want to do uh, in, in terms of an offense? I think Scar is an amazing coach, you know, and obviously they would be better with him there. But, you know, the guy, the guy's had so many great years in the NFL. He deserves to kind of go off and enjoy his retirement. You know, we can't keep leaning on Dante Scarnecchia to keep coming back and saving this team. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, obviously they have issues up front. And a lot of it's to do with Josh McDaniels leaving as well. You know, you lose your offensive coordinator. That causes a lot of issues, especially in Mac Jones' second year. You know, that's his first NFL head coach when he first came in. So, you know, a lot of that's to do with that. And then also, too, guys have to play better. Like Trent Brown, he had an incredibly rough game against the Miami Dolphins. You know, guys like him, especially at that left tackle position, he has to step up, especially against a a Steelers defense that could have Mac Jones doing snow angels in the dirt. I, I was actually going to ask about Skarnakia, and the, the parallel to it is interesting because the Steelers had the same problem when Mike Munchak 
uh, left, wanted to be closer to family, which was in Denver, and he's still with Denver right now. But the Steelers have had four offensive line coaches uh, since then. They've turned them over each year, and they're on iteration number four right now, and it doesn't look good. <laughs> we might be on five next year at this time. I don't know. Um, it, it, that That's something I think New England has to kind of look at long term. I think they're going to um, – it, it, this just goes to show – overall the value of an offensive line and it's not just in the players you can't just draft five offensive linemen from the first round it just it doesn't work that way you need to have kind of a foundational guy and you need to have a bunch of key pieces that are brought in and it it seemed like the patriots in their heyday were always able to get the most out of the guys that they had but they invested uh, in marquee blue chip kinds of guys what do you see as far as um, the, the nature of their offense, what they're trying to do with Mac Jones, and it really seems to be bulk up big, attack the seams with tight ends and and multi-use running backs, kind of ignore the receiver position. What, what do you think they're trying to accomplish offensively beyond the simple, you know, simple goal of just scoring points? What what, what are they looking to do with the ball when they when they have it? And I think you just touched on it, touched on a great point. You know, obviously they're looking to bulk up big and they're looking to run the football. You know, they're wanting to be more of a power running football team and, you know, utilize some play action passes and, you know, just just kind of utilize the, the short throws with the tight ends and everything. And obviously, you know, me pointing out play action passes, they only did that twice against the Miami Dolphins, which is incredible. Um, but, yeah, they're wanting to really establish a run and get that going. And for someone like Mac Jones that comes from that Alabama offense, you know, he has guys like, a, you know, Jalen Waddle on one side and Devontae Smith on the other side. He's kind of wanting to make those chunk plays. And you could see it in the game against the Dolphins with him kind of forcing some plays downfield that just, you know, weren't there. And guys are in one-on-one coverage and they just – they can't win. Um but in, I, personally, I have an issue with the Patriots kind of ignoring the wide receiver position because you you need some of those guys. You're not you're not going anywhere. If we're talking winning playoff games, you're not going anywhere with Jacoby Myers as your number one guy. And I love Jacoby Myers. He's he's a really really fantastic player as maybe a number two guy. But you know, like Nelson Aguilar is kind of underwhelmed, and his cap hit is over four times more than Jacoby Myers is right now. And then, you know, Kendrick Bourne, obviously, he he's probably your only explosive guy. Like I said earlier, you know, he's in Matt Patricia's doghouse. My brother is a Patriots fan. I don't want to explain how that happened. And his <laughs> biggest complaint is uh, the inability of the Patriots to be able to draft and develop the wide receiver position. He 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 just shakes his head. He's been shaking his head for like 25 years and said simply, can we do whatever the Steelers are doing to develop the wide receiver position? Because clearly we cannot do it. He he marvels at the way that the Steelers can develop uh, the position. You were talking about Mac Jones and, and, and Neil was talking about the offense in terms of what they might want to do philosophically. Is that more so because of Belichick or is it because of physical limitations of Mac Jones? I think it's more because of Belichick running, wanting to run things that way. I mean, I know some people are going to disagree with me, but personally, I'm I'm a believer in Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is a, is a solid quarterback. You know, obviously he's not Tom Brady under center. You know, that guy's long gone. But, you know, Mac, Mac Jones proved it in Alabama. He showed that he can make some tough throws. And, you know, he's proved it at times last year making it to the Pro Bowl for his first year as a rookie, which is, which is really impressive, getting the Patriots back to the playoffs. 
You know, they need to let, you know, let them, let them throw a little bit, but obviously it's kind of hampered right now where you don't really have guys to throw the football to. Um, I made the point, I made the point, you know, how Mac must have felt walking onto that field against the Miami Dolphins. And he's looking at his former teammate in Tua, who has Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill as his receivers. And Mac's looking over here and he's like, man, I have Nelson Aguilar, Devontae Parker, and Jacoby Myers is my guy. So, I mean, you, you got to get the guy some help. And, I mean, yeah. Parker, Parker the guy they got rid of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> didn't, didn't exactly. Probably because they have Jalen Waddle, and you saw in that game who Jalen Waddle is. That touchdown he scored was unreal. That kid is he's something else. He is, he is exactly. And then you know, and then Parker, he had an opportunity to make a play, but he wasn't able to make it. It was kind of nullified by Xavier Howard. But yeah, they're just they're struggling to develop receivers. That's kind of been a going theme in New England. One one last question on the offensive side of the ball before we flip it. There's been a lot made in this offseason about the coaches, Joe Judge, uh, Matt Patricia, um, and this offensive approach. Um, What's your thought in terms of how they've approached trying to build their offense and what they're doing with the coaching staff and this whole kind of weird thing about we don't really have a coordinator and we sort of do? And, you know, what's the impact of that on this offense? I think it's a huge impact. And, you know, I've been saying Bill Belichick, in my opinion, he has too many roles. I mean, the guy has more roles than Eddie Murphy and the Nutty Professor. I mean, he's the de facto (laughs) offensive coordinator. He's the de facto defensive coordinator. He's also the general manager, and he's also the head coach. You know, there's so much going on. You know, I would have loved to actually see New England bring in an offensive coordinator to help out. Um, with the system, but Belichick, he, he's just kind of, he's one of those guys that likes his, his in-house guys. So he's going to bump Matt Patricia to that position. And I get it. Like Matt Patricia has had some experience coaching offense in some ways, but man, it's a little different when you're standing on the sideline, supposedly calling the plays and it didn't look, it didn't look too good on Sunday. So yeah, I'm, I was not a big fan of that approach. Let's flip it to the other side of the ball. This Steeler offense against uh the Patriots defense I thought the Patriots defense played fairly solid against Miami a couple of plays here and there uh the fantastic play off the slant to score um what do you think this game looks like on that side of the ball the Steelers offense going up against the Patriots defense Patriots defense actually deserves a lot of credit you know they had that one blown play against Jalen Waddle, I mean, the guy's just a flash, and he just kind of speeds through the two defenders, but that's obviously a blown play on the Patriots' end. But up until that point, you know, they didn't yielded a touchdown. You know, they would not have yielded a touchdown in that game. And, you know, that defensive front is very ferocious. With Matt Judon, Christian Barmore up front, Dietrich Wise, those guys can get after the quarterback. And I think that, I think that they're going to cause some problems for the Steelers. Now, the question is – is can they come away with some takeaways? Can they can they turn can they turn this into a turnover affair? If they can do that, if they can make Tr- Mitch Trubisky turn back into Chicago Mitch, then we might have a game here, and you can flip the you can flip the field and maybe give Nick folks some field goals to maybe win the game on. So just just so we're clear, can can Bill Belichick find a way to make Mitch Trubisky look bad in a game? That's that's the point that we're at for this game. Didn't I pick the Steelers to win? I'm changing that now, Lance. I hadn't thought of that and <laughs> considered that angle, but yeah, that's what's going to happen. Not going to be pretty. Really quickly, point out a matchup on both sides of the ball. 
that you're highlighting in this game. Let's start on the Steelers' offensive side against the Patriots' defense. Is there a matchup on that side? And flipping it, is there a matchup on the offensive side that you're really looking at and highlighting in this ballgame? Well, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm looking at – I'm basically looking at Mitch Trubisky the entire defensive front. I know that's not a one-on-one matchup per se, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking to see if they can actually – if they can get home, if they can they can call some turnovers, if they can call some havoc in that backfield. Um, and, and I think, I think that's going to be the key of the game. The Patriots can't create turnovers. They're probably going to be in trouble. And on the off, on the other side, flipping it, I'm really looking at Trent Brown versus like, you know, an Alex and Alex Highsmith, because, you know, you're going to be, you know, we're going to see a lot of that. Um, and Trent Brown, he had a rough game against the Miami Dolphins, particularly the strip sack fumble that led to points with Melvin Ingram scooping it up and high stepping it into the end zone. You know, you can't do that in this game. Like he's going to have to, he's going to have to step up. And there were some plays as well where he just, it just seems like it was just kind of a lack of hustle as well too. I mean, obviously that, that blown up play, but the lack of hustle as well. And going back to what I was saying about the play action passes, you know, if you want some of these plays to work, you know, the the guys, the guy has to step up. I'll tell you right now, like if he, uh, if Mac Jones turns his back on the Steelers defense, and the offensive line protection isn't good. He's going to get crushed. I saw, I saw, um, I saw a trailer for the movie Hall- Halloween ends. Mac Jones will end <laughs> if they do, if they do not do a better job of blocking in this game. Yeah, both quarterbacks might die in this game. It, it yeah. is possible. I, I'm going to say this. I'll predict it now. I think the Steelers are going to turn the ball over on one of their first two possessions of this game. I think that's going to swing it. I think that's exactly what Belichick is telling them right now. We will win if we can get up early, take the ball away, and lean on them because this team cannot move the ball. They're already injured, and they lost their their best defensive player. We might have trouble scoring, but if we take the ball away on defense, we're, we're going to be able to win this game. We just have to hold on uh, to our own possession, maybe get another one, and we're going to have to find a chunk play somewhere in this game. And there, I don't know how many there's going to be for either team here. Thanks for the segue, Neil. So with that being said, let's toss it to you, Jordy. What's your prediction for this game? Oh, my goodness. So getting put on the spot here. I'm actually – at first I was leaning Steelers. I really was. But defensively, I feel like the Patriots are going to be able to win this game. I think they're going to be able to create some turnovers. And this is not just me being a homer because I could have seen this team going 0-4 in the first four games. Um, but, yeah, I believe, I believe turnovers are going to be the factor. I think it's going to be an incredibly ugly game. And the defense is going to win the game and on the leg of Nick Folk. Neil? I went into this, and I'll stick with it for the sake of continuity. Um, For many of the same reasons, I I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I'm not sure either team is going to be able to find a whole lot of explosion. Um, With that, though, the Steelers playing in their home opener. Um, They've got an excellent kicker in that stadium already. I think they can get the 16 points that they got last week. in, in regulation this time. I think the Steelers are going to win late 16 to 13. You know what? I hate to agree with, uh, with Neil, but you know, I picked the Steelers to start the season four and oh, and Neil oh. laughed at me. Um, <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I, I think they find a way against a offense. That's not particularly explosive. It becomes a field goal fest. And I can see the Steelers, winning a very tight game um 16-13 by the same scores nil or 17-13 
somewhere around there. I think both offenses score one touchdown and they kick a bunch of field goals and the Steelers come out of here with a very ugly 17-13 win. And much of Steeler Nation is complaining that they're 2-0 and and the games don't look nice, <laughs> particularly pretty and you know, whatever. We know how it works. It's a race to nine. That's what they need. Right. Four, four and is a hell of a prediction right there. Well, you know, I put a little of my Homer hat. You know, I got my Go new on. crucial catch, <laughs> my new crucial catch hat. So, um, you know, it, it has a lot of colors in it. So I was feeling particularly uh, happy when I made that prediction. But, Jordy, before we let you go, uh, why don't you tease something that you have going on on PatriotsWire.com? Um, yes, I'm about to be. So obviously we're getting ready for the Steelers and here here today or probably it probably will be released tomorrow. I'll have a fun piece coming up on um, on Mr. Belichick that, that, that might give me a little hate and from from Patriot Nation. Obviously, we're in mourning right oh, now. <laughs> we're mourning right now. I was saying the other day, hopefully we don't turn into the Bills Mafia. We might have the Patriots Mafia powerbombing each other through fiery tables <laughs> at this point because we're, we're kind of in struggle land right now. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that in the morning. Thank you, Jordy, for hopping on the program. Hey, if you ever want to do it again, reach out to me, and we can always do it again. Thank you. We're fantastic. Thank you so much for Good having stuff, me, stuff, Jordy. Thanks, man. Thank you. So there you have it. We are both picking the Steelers, which means they probably will lose. I mean, it's impossible for both of us to pick the Steelers if they actually win. I just feel terrible about that pick now. I don't like any part of that. It's like, you know what? You know what the thing that's getting me, Lance? It's the fact that it was last week was so eerily similar to week one last season. The home opener is going to be a dud like it was against the Raiders last year. And oddly enough, Watt went down early in that Raiders game and didn't come back. And you don't have Watt for this one at all. I, there's no way in the world Belichick can't figure out a way to basically shut this offense out. There's just I, I don't see how he can't do that. They're not going to score. Um, the game's always about who scores the most points, but it, it's going to be situational for both of them. I just I don't have confidence in. The, I don't have confidence in the Steelers in the situation downs. I don't have confidence in them third and short and mid. Belichick finds ways to win those downs more often than not, and he can eke out a win over four quarters uh, without scoring a lot of points. They're, they're able to take the ball away. They're able to prevent uh, conversions in, in critical situations. I just don't think the Steelers can do that. <clears throat> it's funny. Steelers freak is the best, and he writes, I always have to take a shower after a Steelers game. I feel so dirty, and I suspect that he's going to feel filthy like Pigpen after this particular game. I just <laughs> see this being a very ugly affair. Steelers grind it out and figure out some way to win, and they're literally probably one of the worst 2-0 teams in NFL history. I think they somehow figure out a way to get it done, but we're going to go ahead and get out of here. And thank you guys for hopping in. Before we leave, make sure you tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Hit that like button. It helps with the algorithm. Spread the word on the show. Go Steelers. We're both predicting a 2-0 start. We'll break it down for you after the game on Sunday. Go Steelers. Tune in. Tell a friend and subscribe.